Welcome to the True Crime Truckers Podcast. This podcast deals with true crime and subjects such as rape, murder, and sexual assault. This podcast may not be suitable for younger listeners, so listener discretion is advised. to another relaxed fit episode of the True Crime Truckers podcast. It's the holiday season, so for the next couple episodes, I am going to take it nice and easy and just do a couple of fun episodes so that I don't get myself too uh, worked over while I'm trying to enjoy the holiday season. On this episode, I'm joined again by my wife, Amanda Gale. Hello. And we decided that we were going to go ahead and do a current events episode. So we're going to read some news articles from some current event true crime. And uh, I picked out three different stories, and you said you have two? I have two, yeah. So we'll just go back and forth and back and forth. Uh, But before we get started... Let's see if I can get this to pick up. That was weak. That was weak. Yeah. I thought I'd get a better sound of me opening my Great Lakes Brewing Company Christmas Ale. They're not a paid sponsor, but (laughs) it's an amazing beer. Okay. So, since you've got two and I've got three, I'll start and end. Now, I have two very horrendous stories. And then I have a not-so-horrendous story, parts of it that actually could be funny, even though it is kind of an awful story. Okay. So I can do it one of two ways. I can either start off with the more lighthearted story, or I could do the horrendous stories and at the end do the more lighthearted one as kind of a palate cleanser. You get to pick and choose. Hmm. Why don't don't you start with... uh... One of the one of the pretty brutal ones. Okay. Maybe should... start and end that way. Okay. And start and end and do the the one in the middle. No, no, do both of them. Do both the bad ones. And first. then do a palate yeah. cleanser at the end. Yeah. All right. Well, then we should uh, we should cut in with the uh, the old a current affair sound. Oh yeah, right. Or the old TV show. Yeah. Right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. I'm good. I'm going to find it and I'll cut it in right (laughs) here. All right, there you go. Okay, so we'll start off with one of the more hard-hitting ones. And this actually is right in time because this will be coming out right after Thanksgiving. So, and I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. So, this is from NBC News by Alicia Fieldstolt and Doa Mandani. Excuse me if I butcher the names, but I do that quite often in this podcast. Doa. Patrick Fraze is found guilty of first-degree murder in the death of fiancé Kelsey Barrett. Patrick Fraze was found guilty of first-degree murder in the death of his fiancée, Kelsey Barrett, 
who was last seen near her Colorado home with their infant daughter last Thanksgiving. The jury of six men and six women deliberated for less than four hours before reaching a verdict. Frazee, 33, was found guilty on all charges, two counts of murder, three counts of solicitation to commit murder, and tampering with deceased human body. He has denied killing Bear, 29, and pleaded not guilty. The jury trial began November 1st. A judge sentenced Frazee to life without parole for first-degree murder, plus an additional 156 years. Beth Reed, one of the prosecutors on the case, said that after the verdict, she never witnessed Frazee express anything other than emotionless state he exhibited in court. I think based on the observations of Patrick Frazee over the last year that there's potential that Patrick Frazee indicates and is consistent with a sociopath, Reed said, and that there's a person who has basically an inability to feel empathy with other people. In closing arguments, prosecutors argued that Frazee had been planning Barris' death for months, while the defense called the evidence presented during the trial circumstantial and made up. Barrett was last seen publicly Thanksgiving Day last year. Surveillance video shows her shopping with Kaylee, the couple's year-old daughter, at a Safeway grocery store near her hometown of Woodland Park on November 22, 2018. Frazee, who did not live with Barrett, said that he last saw her the day, last saw her that day, and last heard from her November 25th, but she was not re reported missing until December 2nd by her mother. Barris' body has not been found. Barris' mother, Cheryl Barris, spoke to the court prior to sentencing to request Frazee get the maximum sentence and the removal of his parental rights as the family intends to adopt Kaylee. But Crystal Lee, Frazee's former girlfriend who previously went by the last name Kenny, testified during the trial that she was directed by Frazee on Thanksgiving Day to clean up a mess at Barris' condo where Lee, a nurse from Idaho, arrived November 24th. She found blood covering the living room floor, splattered on the walls, on the carpet, and other rooms, and behind a couch. She cleaned the mess, but left small spots for investigators to find. Frazee later told her that he beat Bear to death with a baseball bat, and that he burned her body at his ranch. She testified, he just said he swung away, and that it was really hard. Lee said, adding that Frazee told her that Barrett begged him to please stop. Prosecutors say Kaylee was in the apartment while her father killed her mother. Lee said she was directed by Frazee to bring Barrett's cell phone to Idaho so that it would look like she left. She complied and burned the phone. It was last pinged on November 25th near Gooding, Idaho, investigators have said. Lee was charged with tampering with evidence and pled guilty in February, agreeing to testify against Frazee in a plea deal, and prosecutors said that before Frazee killed Barrett, he tried three times to convince Lee to commit the crime. An inmate testified during the trial that when he and Frazee were in the same jail, Frazee asked him to kill Lee. Notes between the two list more than ten other people who were needed to disappear or be unseen, until after the trial, a law enforcement official testified Friday. A friend of Frazee, Joe M Moore, testified that the two were together in April 2018 when he asked Frazee how things were going with Barrett. I figured out a way to kill her, Moore said, Frazee replied. During the conversation, Frazee grinned and said, no body, no crime, right? Moore testified. Following Bear's disappearance, the two met up again on December 20th, and Frazee expressed surprise in the media's interest in the case. Frazee was arrested and charged with the murder the next day. And that's the end of the article. Do you remember that story? Yeah, I've heard of that story. Yeah, so she went missing on Thanksgiving. Yeah. She, he said that she had come over to drop off their daughter, Yeah. and that was the last time that he saw her. But it was around the same time that the... Um, um, Oh, what's his name? Chris Watt thing yeah. was going on with his wife and Co two girls. Out, um, that was out west, right? Colorado. They were both in Colorado. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Then they happened yeah. kind of around the same time, but this one was like kind mm -hmm. of overshadowed by the Chris Watt case. So. Yeah, because that was like. Yeah. But they never super found her. Screwed up. They never found her body, even though like they searched his property and stuff because they didn't live together. 
I, mean, I, guess, I, remember... I guess they found enough circumstantial evidence that they charged him with murder and they just sentenced him to life without parole. Right. No, I remember hearing about that. And um, I don't know. I, I saw it on TV at some point. Um, but I don't remember there being like an ex-girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. I don't I don't remember there being an ex-girlfriend that, you know, he like asked to clean up. Yeah, it kind of dropped off the media after a while. I think like I said the whole Chris Watt thing because it was in Colorado and right around the same time like that kind of took precedence and the story kind of fell by the wayside. I mean, how stupid do you have to be to like ask somebody else to clean up your murder scene? How to do Well, I mean, how stupid do you have to do to like to kill somebody first of all but but for well, the most part i mean to ask somebody else to come in right and clean up the mess that you made when you bludgeoned yeah, somebody and your, to ex. Death, and your ex and why she that, would why she would do it i mean i don't know like maybe well clearly Wouldn't you immediately go to the cops at that point i mean i i would think so but like also clearly the dude murdered his one ex so well, unless he's like right on top of you and making sure that you're cleaning the place up and stuff. I mean, she had to come in from Idaho. I mean, to Colorado. No, I know, so. but I wonder if like you know she came in for whatever reason. And then he was like, "Oh, hey, since you're here, right? But can you well, just clean up this mess that I made?" Like, yeah, but like the minute he leaves, you take off and go to the cops and be like, "Oh my god, like there's a." He asked me to clean up this thing at his fiance's house, and it's like covered in blood and so like. I know. Like I said, unless he's standing directly over you or, like, is with you 24-7 after that point, which I assume he wasn't, then you go to the cops and you're like... I know. I mean, I I know. I'm just saying, like, devil's advocate. I mean, he clearly had something, like, probably some sort of hold over her or had threatened her or somebody that she... I mean, I don't know. I just, I wonder if there's, like, more to that story of why. So I wonder what she got. She, mean, probably, she probably got she, 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 like, No, nah, she probably didn't get anything because she agreed to testify. So uh, it was probably yeah. part of her plea bargain. Yeah, I know you said was that. that she would, you know, plead guilty to it. But if she testified <clears> against <throat> him, that she probably didn't get any kind of sentence or anything. Right. But, but you were saying, you know, like, why would you ask anybody else? It's the same thing that I always say. Why would you kill your wife, girlfriend, or fiancé? I mean, to be you fair, are the first person the police yeah, look right. at, and I always say, how many people have ever gotten away with it? A small handful. The majority of them get caught. Like, right. and the majority of them, it doesn't take long to figure out that like you did it. You're going to get caught. Just pay the alimony or the child support. Yeah, like, seriously, science is like way too off yeah. the chains to like. Just skate by with murdering your significant other or your ex. You got 18 years of child support payment at the most. It's that on one hand or going to prison for the rest of your life. 18 years of making payments doesn't seem like it's that bad of an option. Like, just take the L. Lose lose half your shit. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Losing half your shit is still better than going to prison for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. Well, I mean, clearly someone that's going to murder someone's not in their right frame of mind anyway, so clearly they probably think they're, like, actually going to get away with it. Yeah. Well, you never do. Yeah. Like, you, you you never do. Well, I mean... Even that, um... Even that dude, what's his name? From the, that HBO special that we watched. Durst? Robert Durst? Oh, yeah. Remember? Like, even now, like, he's... Yeah. They're compiling a case against him and, like, the disappearance of his first wife. Because remember his wife, like, she, they lived in Connecticut and she had gotten on a train to go to New York and nobody ever saw her again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, even years and years later, like, he's going to be brought up on charges because they're like, yeah, dude murdered his wife. Like. Well, I mean, look what happened. Even if you get away with it, like, in the age of the internet, like. All people do have to do is look up your name, and they're like, oh, this dude murdered his wife and got away with it. Like, Well, I mean, even if you get away with it for a significant amount of time, I mean, look what happened with the Golden State Killer. I yeah. mean, he was just footloose and fancy free for decades, and then all of a sudden, you know, they actually get some evidence that they can 
they can actually charge him. I mean, look at that. So like, even allegedly. if you allegedly, allegedly, so yeah, even if you get away with it for a while, I mean, it's it's probably eventually going to catch up with you anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> all right. All so right, you go ahead. All right. So one of the cases that I wanted to look up, um, well, that I that I had found um, while I was kind of looking around. Um, this one was actually not, it's not a, it's not like a brand new case. I'm trying to think. So, uh, this man named Richard Wade Cooey, the second, have you heard of him? Nope. Okay. So he actually took part in a, uh, double murder back in the eighties, but he was it's worse <clears throat> than a single murder. Yeah, it is. Um, but he was executed in 2008. So, okay. anyway, I just stumbled across it. It wasn't, like, the most recent, but... I'm all ears. It's also pretty awful. And okay. it happened here in Ohio. So, it was uh, it took place in uh, in the Akron area. Wait, what's his name again? Richard Wade Cooey, second. Murder, and he was executed in 2008. He was executed in 2008. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Name doesn't ring a bell, but maybe yeah. when you get through the case, I might. Okay, so... Um, I wasn't able to really find a whole lot from 1986. I mean, albeit truthfully, I, I didn't look that super, super right. deep. Um, but what I did find on ClarkProsecutor.org, um, I actually found there's sort of a summary. Okay. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of different sources. From different news articles. From different news articles, like, uh, yeah, the uh, Akron Beacon Journal. But most of them are from his execution. Okay. So it goes back over kind of what he'd done. Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit, but I didn't think it, a lot of what I did find, I didn't feel like explained the case too well. So, okay. So anyway, all right. Richard Wade Cooey, the second, um, Don McCreary 20 and Wendy Alfredo 21 were university of Akron sorority sisters who were leaving their jobs as waitresses when 17 year old Clint Dickens, uh, this was Richard, uh, Cooey's friend. Uh, they were hanging out threw a chunk of concrete off an I-77 overpass. Yeah, your face. You're, it's ringing a bell? The mall. Uh-huh, yeah. the mall, yep. Okay. Striking the windshield of the car that Mrs. Miss Afredo was driving. Cooey, who was 19 and on leave from the U.S. Army, was hanging out with his longtime Kenny Hor uh, Horonets and Dickens, Clint Dickens. The three got into, a into the car and offered the two women help. The five drove to a shopping mall, and Miss Cooey, or I'm sorry, Miss Afredo used a payphone to call her mother. I'm game if you're game, Cooey said, as Dickens suggested they rob the two women. Cooey pulled a knife on the women when they realized they were not being driven back to their car. Hornets demanded to be let out of the car after <clears throat> Cooey told him to tie Miss McCreary's hands. So one of the three guys was like, I'm out. This is getting, this is getting a little too much. I'm out. Uh, driving to a wooded area in nearby Norton, Dickens and Cooey both raped the two girls. Dickens then suggested the women should be killed because they knew his name, records show. Dickens grabbed Miss Afredo in a chokehold and Cooey used a shoelace to strangle her as Dickens strangled Mrs. McCre Miss McCreary with her other shoelace, with his other shoelace. Cooey beat both women with a club. Dickens was sentenced to life in prison for the crimes in which both girls suffered more than three hours of torture. So pretty rough, you know, they caused... I have heard that story, yes. Yeah, so they caused the accident and then took them to a payphone so they could call their family to let them know what happened. Um, and then, you know, they just decided to go off the rails. Right, right. And, um, and they murdered them. They tortured them. They strangled them. They raped them. It's awful. I mean, it was just terrible. Um... And the reason that I kind of actually ran across this case was it was actually on uh, maybe ID Discovery. Yeah. I think. Um, so I was actually watching it one night and um, I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, mm -hmm. awful. But it was, like I said, semi-recent. Uh, so then I started looking up a little bit more, you know, kind of like I said, into it. Um, now you said that they parked at the mall, but they killed them in a different location. No, they killed them behind behind, behind the mall. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was of. how I had always heard the story. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, that mall is still there. Yeah. No. So it's it wasn't, abandoned. 
it wasn't like directly behind the mall. It doesn't sound it's like that. It was wooded a, area it was in a wooded area. It was in a wooded area behind the, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't remember the name, but I remember the story. So yeah. 86, I was five. So I was too young to like remember when it happened. <laughs> yeah. And when he was executed, it was 2008. And I had just left the state at that point for a few years. Right. So, um, but I had heard the story that, um, that mall is still there in Akron and it's abandoned. And I saw a thing on Vice, I want to say Vice Network. Yeah. Where it was like a kind of like a paranormal ghost hunting thing or whatever. And they were behind the mall with yeah. like an EVP thing oh. trying to pick up like, you know, the around the area where or, those girls yeah. had been murdered oh. and stuff. But yeah, that mall's abandoned. And the last time I checked, it's still there. Like, it's abandoned. Most of the malls in Ohio are abandoned at this point because who goes shopping in the malls anymore? Right. Not They've me. either been torn down or season. they're completely yeah. abandoned. But yes, I do do remember that story, but I didn't remember the guy's names. Right. Um, so this is um, a little bit more of a lengthy article, but it's from um, the Cleveland Plain Dealer. So this was... After he was executed, Richard Wade Cuey II died peacefully Tuesday with a lethal combination of drugs administered through two needles inserted into the veins of each arm. Good for him. He was executed by the state of Ohio for murder, rape and murder, both bludgeoning and strangulation of two college students who were not afforded such comfort in their deaths. It's done, said Mary Ann Hackenberg, mother of one of the victims, Don McCreary, who said she could sense her daughter's presence there. I know she was here. She said, I felt her here. Cooey was sentenced to death in 1986 for the rape and murder that year of the 20-year-old McCreary and her sorority sister, Wendy Afredo, 21. He was hours away from execution when he won a reprieve in 2003. Tuesday, his appeals ran out when the U.S. Supreme Court denied his last-ditch effort. Do you remember um, Do you remember anything about why he, like, what his excuse was is why he couldn't be executed? Do you remember hearing about anything about that? Um, was it he was too fat? Yeah, to be it was executed? that he was too obese. So he was stating, yeah, that I'm too obese to be executed. Yeah, yeah if, get a gold star for remembering. Yeah, he was he was morbidly obese, so he couldn't yeah. officially it efficiently be. That's what he executed. said. That's what he said. Yeah. So and the judge basically was like, "Go fuck yourself." No, like, no, he tortured so it, these girls for over three hours before he murdered them. Like, yeah, uh, he remained defiant even in his last statement, uttering an obscenity when Warden Philip Collins held a microphone above his lips before the drugs were administered. You haven't paid attention to what I've said over the past twenty-one years. Why are you going to pay attention to what I have to say now? Of course, he used explicatives in that. Um, he did not look at any of the six witnesses from the McCreary family or his three lawyers and a spiritual advisor who were witnesses. I mean, it was pretty rough. The yeah. The thing on, I'm pretty sure I'm positive, it was ID Discovery, the ID Channel. Is it ID Discovery anymore? I just think or, it's ID Channel at this point. Yeah. So It used to be Investigation Discovery, and I just think it's the ID, ID Channel. ID, yeah. Um, I mean, it was done really, host really to, well. Host to our favorite detective. Yeah. Joe Kendon. Yeah, Joe Kendon. What's it? What? Uh, Homicide Hunter. Homicide Hunter. That's it. Yeah. No. So it was. It was done really well. Oh my it. My. It. <laughs> what have we here? What have we here? Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, everyone was watching Homicide Hunter with their spouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that Saint Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while across town a suspect was hauled in by the feds. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap discussed how they set up the perfect trap. When out on the roof there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window, I flew like a flash, ready to investigate the sound of the smash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a suspect so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. I secured the perimeter, all was clear in the ground, then down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. A bundle of toys he had flung in his back. I could tell he was a repeat offender, but not a maniac. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. 
He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and any concern of him fleeing I put on the shelf. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work. The M.O. was filling stockings, an obvious quirk. Once done, he laid his finger aside his nose and gave a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh and gave his team a whistle. Then they took off without needing any dismissal. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Have a very tender Christmas, and to all a good night. So it, it was done really well. It, it featured um, one of the girls, I believe, Wendy, a friend, friend does. I, I keep wanting to say her name wrong. Um, and I want to make sure, Fredo, uh, her mother and the brother of Don McCreary. So they were the main ones in the, um, they were the main ones in the, in the sort of the episode. And they talked a lot about, well, first of all, Don's brother was the one that the police, who was a minor, mm-hmm. was the one that the police pulled in and told him what happened. And was like, yeah, you're going to have to now call your mom. I'm like, that that would never happen now. They would never tell a seventeen year old kid that your sister was raped, tortured, and murdered, right? And now you gotta go and call and tell your mom, which if their parents were out of town. But it's like, I no way, no how would they do that now? Where they tell a minor all of these things and then are like, all right, now it's on you. I kind of feel like it would be it would be more common nowadays for police to do something dumb like that. Oh my gosh. I mean, who even knows? But yeah, no, it was it was done really well. So yeah, of course, we're not paid by ID Channel, but it was really good. Yeah. It was really good. And I just liked it was, you know, something local in Ohio, not super far away from here. Um, yeah. But just the fact that he was saying, I'm too obese. Too, too fat for you to kill me. Yeah, no. That's going to be my excuse if I ever go to death row. Of course, we live in Ohio. It takes us forever to kill people. <laughs> it's gonna be your excuse. I yeah. Too so, fat. So that's my. Uh, he was convicted of aggravated murder with specifications of two counts: two counts of kidnapping, four counts of rape, two counts of aggravated robbery, and felonious assault. Yeah, he just seemed like a like the worst human being. But I think all normally, if you're on death row, you yeah. Well, Dickens was sentenced to life, and then I want to say the other guy that got out, though, I think he still did some time too, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Even though he said, you know, nope, this is this is too real. I'm pretty sure he yeah got something. I'm sure he did because especially because he knew what they were gonna do. They said what they were gonna do, and that's when he was like, nope, I'm out, and then did nothing. Didn't go to the police. Nothing. So, well, he didn't go to, like, the area with them or whatever. No, like, They he, said, hey, we're going to go and try to kill some people. And he was like, I'm out. And then they yeah, took off. And, they said, we're going to rape them and we're going to do all this stuff. And then he said, no, I don't want any part of that. And left and then didn't do anything. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did some time, but I don't remember how much. Yeah, maybe. Fair warning, this one's pretty rough. This is from the Los Angeles Times, and uh, it's by Lindsay Winkley. Uh, Mother killed in San Diego murder-suicide endured months of harassment and threats, court records show. Uh, San Diego. In the days before her death, the harassment of Sabrina Rosario's husband had subjected her to, since she filed for divorce, became so extreme She decided to request a restraining order, she said in court documents. The mother of four said her spouse, Jose Valdiva, would show up unannounced at her house in the Paradise Hills neighborhood of San Diego. He would sit in the car and watch their children play from a distance. In text messages, he said he would never leave her alone. Less than two weeks before her death, Valdiva messaged her a picture of a handgun more than half a dozen cans of beer, 
and a bottle of alcohol were in the background of the image. This threat really scared me and I can no longer handle his abuse and harassment, she said in court filings. The restraining order was granted Friday. The next morning, Valdiva showed up at Rosario's home and shot her, their four children, and himself, police said. Only their nine-year-old son, Ezekiel Valdiva, survived. He remains in critical condition in the hospital. Rosario and Valdiva separated in December, but the 29-year-old didn't file for divorce until June, citing ir irreconcilable differences. Since then, Rosario had said Valdiva had refused to leave her alone and became obsessed with the idea that she was with someone new. On November 8th, Valdiva called Ro Rosario 11 times in a row, according to her cell phone records, and then showed up at her house unannounced later that night. You're not home again, he told her in a text. Your sister is watching the boys. The next day, he demanded to see their children, even though Rosario wrote in court filings that he had showed no interest in settling a schedule to come visit with them. When she told him he couldn't come over, he sent her a text message that read, I'm not leaving you alone, and you know that. Uh, the proceedings were set to be finalized in December. So, this woman was being abused and harassed by her husband that she was leaving, and she filed a restraining order, and the next day he came and yeah, killed and her and three of their kids. Shocker. The, re the restraining so. order did absolutely nothing. Yeah. That's a big surprise. Yeah, that's yeah. awful. I mean, you know, that's what all of these, like, any stalking, anything that ends up that way, you know, they they tried, like, the, the victims tried to mm -hmm. put something between them and the person that was stalking them right. or the person that was, you know, and it's just like, and there's, there's just nothing. I mean, it's like the law is just so far behind mm -hmm. on anything now, you know, that's just, that's awful. Yeah, it is. And so how long ago was that? That was this month or this month. Mm. That was literally, um, a couple weeks ago. So they had been separated since, like, last December. Right. And she finally filed for divorce this summer in June. Oh. And he just harassed and stalked her until she got a restraining order. Which, I'm, I'm not advocating that for anybody to do anything, but hypothetically, let's say that you're being harassed and stalked and, you know, you're to the point where you feel like you're being, everything's unsafe and that you might have to file a restraining order and stuff. If it was me, and I'm not advocating for this, but, and I didn't have any firearms at home, I would ask a friend to borrow one and I would carry it illegally. Because, and <laughs> That's your advice? Because... I didn't say it was advice. I said that's what I would do. I'm not do. telling anybody to do anything. But if it was me, losing my life versus being charged with having an illegal handgun, like, that's a to me seems like the lesser of two evils. Like, if I'm fearing for my life from somebody, yeah, I would much rather carry a weapon illegally than to just be completely unarmed and open to, especially if somebody's sending me text message pictures of a gun and alcohol while they're threatening me at the same time. Oh. So you know that person's armed. That's just awful. I mean, Again, it's awful. Again, that's what I would do. I'm not advocating for anybody to do that. I would advocate for the legal system to get it together. That's what I would advocate mm. for. Yeah. But that's a, that's a bigger fish to as fry. As far as filing a restraining order, there's not much that they can do about it. No. I mean, it's awful, obviously, that someone would murder somebody. But, I mean, how do you how do you kill your kids? I mean, I, I just... I often wonder that. It's just... Ugh. It's just awful. Wow. And that's recent. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah. The idea so we'll of, have to follow I mean, up we, on that later and find have, out what happens. We have two children. I could never see doing something like that to my own kids. No, I just, I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand either. murdering someone or harming someone anyway. I mean, obviously, like, that's beyond, 
that's beyond my capacity. I can understand justifiable homicide. Well, okay, yeah, but there's nothing justifiable about that. No, that's, not at all. You know, right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't imagine that. And then the fact that he just, I mean, to murder your children is just awful. I just, that's just the worst of the worst things that you could ever do. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Wow. This wasn't the one that I originally um, had chosen to talk about, but I guess from where I was on my phone, like Googling like current event, like true crime and like trying to find something that was like fairly recent or whatever things now are popping up on like the Google app that I have on my phone. And so this one popped up and I thought, no, I'll just do this one. It actually, um, this was on CNN. It's dated November 27th says a man strangled a Chicago student after she wouldn't talk to him, prosecutors say. So a man accused of killing a student at the University of Illinois at Chicago strangled her because he was angry she wouldn't talk to him, prosecutors say. This young girl was 19 years old. He murdered her because she wouldn't talk to him? Yeah, so it's about it, yeah. Damn. Ruth George, 19, was found dead over the weekend in her family's car in a parking garage on campus. Her family reported her missing to campus police Saturday, and her phone was tracked to the parking garage near the school's library, UIC, um, that is the University of Illinois at Chicago. Why do you keep saying it wrong? What? It's Illinois. Whatever. No. I'm not even. <laughs> not even. Police Chief Kevin Booker said when police arrived, they found her unresponsive in the back seat. Um, Donald D. Thurman, 26, was arrested and charged with first-degree murder and aggravated sexual assault, Booker said. Thurman has no ties to the university, It's unclear, and it's unclear whether he has an attorney. The defendant was angry he was being ignored, Cook County Assistant State's Attorney uh, James Murphy said, according to CNN affiliate WLS. George was walking past a subway station, a subway stop, excuse me, when Thurman noticed her, according to court documents. He thought she was pretty and tried to talk to her, but she ignored him. Thurman followed George to her car and tried to talk to her again, the documents said. She again ignored him, which made Thurman angry. The defendant came up behind the victim, grabbed her around the neck from behind, and put her in a chokehold, Murphy said. While his arms still wrapped around the victim's neck, the defendant dragged the victim to the ground, and he opened her back seat car door. Thurman was released from prison in December after serving time for armed robbery, campus police said. He was sentenced to six years, but only served two and was on parole. Of course he was. George's friends... <clears throat> called her Ruthie. She was an honor student and wanted to become a physical therapist to heal people, UIC Chancellor Michael Emeritus said. When George's family reported her missing, the sophomore had not been heard from since the night before, Booker said. During the investigation, police, <clears throat> campus police retrieved video footage from university cameras and saw a man walking behind her at 1.34 a.m. on Saturday. A minute later, she entered the garage on foot, followed by the man, police said. About half an hour later, the man left. Police reviewed video footage from the Chicago Transit Authority and the Chicago police cameras to determine his travel patterns, authorities said. Detectives watching the train station saw a person matching the description of the attacker Sunday. The offender was taken into custody and subsequently gave a full confession to this horrific crime at approximately 3.20 p.m. on the same day, campus police said. A judge ordered the suspect held without bail. So he saw her at a subway stop. Mm -hmm. She was walking past. And he decided to holler at her, and because she didn't pay any attention to him, yep. he sexually assaulted and murdered her. I mean, and I don't, it doesn't say... he had say, just been paroled, you said? 
uh, said he was paroled about a year ago. Yeah. I'm sorry, but well, you yeah, said it, you said it was armed yeah. robbery, right? Um, he was in jail yes. for... Yes. Okay. I'm all, for I'm all for... I'm all for rehabilitation for people and shortened sentences for nonviolent crimes. Armed robbery is a violent crime. You are armed when you are robbing somebody. Yeah. He is a violent offender. Two years off a six-year sentence. Uh, shouldn't they at least spend half of their sentence behind bars before you just decide to parole somebody? And then he turns around and murders this poor college student yeah. because he's a piece of shit that, you know, is, was probably going to end up being a career criminal anyway. People that are convicted of violent crimes should not be paroled earlier than half of their sentence. Yeah. In all actuality, they should probably spend two years, two thirds of. I mean, that. look at her. She's she's lovely. Yeah. It, it's, he did a third of his sentence, and they're just like, "Yeah, let's parole you." Yeah. And he turns around and murders a college student. Yeah. No, I mean it's awful. I mean, I'd say something about the fact that like. Of course she didn't talk to him because he's seven years older than her and stuff, but I'm seven years older than you, so let's not. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know. It, it's just awful. I mean, there's, I don't know, there's so many things I could say about reading through this, and, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's I, there's just so many things that I could say. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm all for prison reform. But the idea of early parole for violent offenders, and I'm sorry if you don't think that armed robbery is a violent offense, it's armed robbery. It's different than just robbing somebody. You are holding a deadly weapon, and there is the threat of violence against somebody. You are a violent offender. That is a violent crime. Yeah. Those people should not get early release. Because this is the kind of stuff that happens. And, I mean, he immediately, like, he confessed to everything, just, like, immediately. Of course he did. You know, I, I don't know. Like I said, there, there's so many things that I could say about this. You know, okay, and so she's out at 134. You know, what, cameras saw, you know, cameras are, are saying, you know, 134 a.m. and Maybe she was coming home from work I'm, no, or I'm not. No, I'm not saying that. I'm yeah. saying that's that's something that I, I guarantee you some people are talking about. Well, what was she doing out at 130? It doesn't matter. She's a college student. Who cares? She's a college student. And even if she wasn't a college student, it doesn't matter. You can, you should be able to walk around at 3 a.m. and not be murdered. I mean, right. it's it's just awful. And right. the fact that at that time of night, he's like, oh, you're pretty. And I'm going to be so mad at you that you didn't acknowledge, like, mm. It's the idea that this has to be a compliment. It has to be taken, received, and returned. No, it it doesn't. I don't know. There's like I said, there's so many things I could say about this, but it's just right. really awful. Her name is Ruth George, and I uh, wished you would have left me alone, but you just kind of wore me down oh over my a gosh, while. Whatever. So anyway, yeah, those of you listening, um, this is pretty recent, so you can keep up with it. Uh, her name is Ruth Ruth George, and uh, you can uh, follow along, see what happens with well, this case. Hopefully this scumbag never gets out of jail again. I have a feeling he probably won't after this. Well. But who knows. Oh. got one more and this one yep. this one is the palate cleanser palate cleanser although okay. it's still kind of a <laughs> awful story but there's parts of it that she could find a little bit of humor in okay this is from nola.com so Ooh, it's new orleans, orleans. louisiana new my, orleans. my favorite city this is by ramon antonio vargas and matt sledge uh, New Orleans man posed as handicapped to obtain home health care for sexual purposes, police says. Wait, what? 
I will read that again. Please read that again. New Orleans man posed as handicapped to obtain home health care for sexual purposes, police says. Are you ready for this? Yeah. A New Orleans man who told investigators he enjoyed being treated as an infant pretended to have mental and physical disabilities in order to obtain a babysitter who unwittingly changed his diaper on wow. several occasions over the course of more than a year, Louisiana what? State Police said. No. Again, I no this idea is why I said palate cleans- cleansing. I had no idea where At this was going. At least it's not murder. <laughs> uh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Rutledge Dees the fourth, age 29, told investigators that he had suffered severe childhood trauma and being cared for like a baby brought him, quote, back to a time and place where he was at peace, according to court records. State police booked Dees on Wednesday with 10 counts each of human trafficking which can include what? obtaining a person's services through fraud. I what? Didn't, Wait, I, so I human, did not know that. What? So human trafficking, you, you can obtain someone's services through, through fraud? fraud? Can be considered human trafficking. What? Yeah. And sexual battery. He was also charged with sexual battery. Court records suggest he could face additional counts after he allegedly confessed that he had hired at least three other women as babysitters. So this one was Rutledge a year. Got money. I guess he's twenty nine. So I don't know if it's like family money or like Orleans Parish Magistrate Judge Harry Cantrell set Dee's bail at more than one point five million on Thursday after hearing from a prosecutor who said that he was shocked by the allegations in the arrest warrant. Quote, This guy preys on people who have the compassion and patience to care for dis- disabled individuals, Assistant District Attorney Michael Hearn said. This is harrowing. I've never read anything like this before. According to court records, Diaz, whose nickname is Rory, used the Urban Sitter app, to hire local college students to care for a non-existent 18-year-old brother named Corey. So apparently there's an app called Urban Sitter, and it's like for home health care or babysitters. Okay. Diaz told the 20-year-old woman that Corey needed someone to handle him with, quote, tough toddler gloves. Additionally, Diaz posing as Corey sent text messages telling the women he would require potty training, the changing of his diapy, and child's booster car what? seat, amongst other things. Wait, a child's booster car seat? How's a 29-year-old fitting in a child's booster car seat? I don't know. Maybe he's really small. Maybe he's really <laughs> short for his age. I mean, Maybe could he's be, really small. I, I don't know. The woman babysat the man she thought was Corey at least ten times, during which she changed his soiled diapers, court records said. He would become visibly aroused and suck on a baby's pacifier during the changes, according to the documents. What? Yeah. So she's changing this guy's diaper, his soiled diaper, so I don't know if that means, like, he urinated or... I don't think it matters. I don't really think the the element in which and while she's changing him, he gets an erection. While he's so imagine that you're imagine that you're uh, you're a babysitter, like and you're supposed to be watching. No, I'm not going to imagine. No, 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 just in your mind's eye that you're a home health care kind of provider person, and. You're very caring and compassionate, and these people say, you know, we have a special needs. He's an adult, but he's very disabled, and you have to change his diaper. And let's say, like, it's somebody like me, and as you're changing, you know, my diapy, stop I get a, saying I get a rock hard erection. Oh my god! <laughs> stop talking. I'm not imagining any of this. This is the mo- this is so disturbing. So how did he get busted? Hold on, I'm oh kidding there. Oh my gosh, that's you what I want to You have to wait till the end of the story. Did he just forget to be in character and like... Wait! 
Can you wait till the end of the story? No. The woman never met his purported older brother, who paid her through an Apple online payment app. The babysitter became suspicious after Diaz tried to use the Venmo app to pay her on November 6th. So this is what I don't understand. So she's hired to take care of this disabled brother, yet she never meets the person that's supposed to be his caretaker. Right. How does that work? Like, oh, you know, I I have my brother that I take care of, and I need you to take care of him while I'm gone or whatever and change his time. But you never meet the people that hire you. You just go to... No, I mean... Yeah, no. Well, and that's probably... I guarantee you there was probably, you know, there was probably communication that they were going to meet up. Like, you know, oh, I'll be here when you get here tomorrow. And then she shows up and he's not there. I'm sorry. I I got called into work early. I mean, like you said, she... Yeah, but you would leave your disabled your severely disabled brother to go in early to work okay, and leave well, him by himself hoping well, that the the healthcare provider shows up. Well, but what I'm saying is that's not her place to I, think. I, I and, know, I'm you just know saying, saying, I think so, that that's an awful weird part of the story. It's very weird, but she's probably just like, no. I, I'm just thinking like from my standpoint, like if I was going to take care of someone and then, you know okay, well, I think it's kind of crappy. Like, you left your disabled right. brother here. But that's not for me to judge. I'm just glad I'm now here to take care of them. But but it says in the article she's watched him over ten times I over know. the course of a year, and you never meet the person that... People, people like this, they're very caring, I mean, I and guess, they want to do what is needed. And, and I guess as long as you're getting paid. I mean, I you know, wow. Wow, I did not see this coming. Although, you know, I don't Nowhere. know how much money you can get paid that'll make up for the fact that you're changing a soiled diaper while the guy gets a boner. This is in, this is so insane. Yeah. Okay, so when she looked up his profile on the Venmo app, the <gasps> sitter spotted a transaction between Diaz and a second man. She searched the second man's list of Facebook friends and spotted the profile under the name Rory Diaz. No. She said that the profile depicted the man she believed to be Corey. Yes. Girl put on her FBI hat. Got on social media. The woman reported her discovery to the babysitting app, which shut down Diaz's account. She also reported it to the state police, who determined the phone number associated with Corey was registered to Diaz but disguised through the Google Voice app, yeah. authorities allege. I have Google Voice for work. Oh, do you? Yeah. Was well, it so you can do nefarious <laughs> stuff no. like somebody changing your diaper? It's while so you... my sweet clients don't text me at 3 a.m. I mean, and they, even if they do, they I'm not going to see it. <laughs> On Tuesday, Diaz asked the woman if she was available to watch Corey the next day at an apartment at the 1200 block of... Marangino Street. State police secured warrants to arrest Diaz on the sexual battery counts. During a search of his house, investigators found crystal meth in a glass pipe, they said. So, because crystal meth. Oh my gosh. Uh, Court records say Diaz denied to the state police that he had derived sexual pleasure from the encounters and said three other women regularly babysat him while he posed as an alter ego Corey. I call bullshit. You absolutely derive sexual pleasure from it. Why would you do it? It's a paraphilia. (laughs) Well, it is. It's a paraphilia, like infant play is. But But from what I've heard, and I don't know, from what I've heard about infant play, like, From what you've heard, in what channels are you moving that you've heard things about infant play? I'm, I'm concerned. I mean, I have to do a lot of research for this show and stuff, <laughs> which also causes references to paraphilias, which are different sexual fetishes. So anyway, what I've heard about what they call big and little play is that like that doesn't play over into the sexual aspect. So like the idea that... like. One of them will play the little or the, the, you know, child, and then one is the big or the caretaker. But when it comes to sexual intimacy, 
like they don't continue the ruse or the role play of like because that borders on the idea of like pedophilia. Right. So like most people that are into like, you know, into this kind of thing I I mean it is like a, a a sexual aspect but when it comes to like actual sexual intimacy that they drop the ruse of like infant and because it's one of those things where it's like that part apparently is too taboo for uh, even them yeah not saying that they all do that and I don't know much about it because that's definitely not something that I'm into oh my god I can't handle this this yeah. is too much so, but for him to say, like, he didn't derive sexual pleasure out of it. Dude, you got an erection while they were changing your diaper. Like, nothing says I'm more, I'm sexually aroused more right. than, like, What is this guy's erection. name? I, I want to look up his Can name. I finish the yes, story? Yes, but I want you to repeat his name again. Uh, his name is his real Rut- name. Rutledge Diaz, D-E-A-S, the fourth. Investigators obtained a second warrant to arrest him for human trafficking and also booked him with possession of methamphetamine and drug paraphernalia. During Diaz's first appearance before Cantrell on Thursday, the judge said Diaz described himself as a web developer who receives $2,500 monthly from a trust fund. So there you go, you were right, he had some money. Uh, Courtney Dunn, an Orleans public defender, staff attorney, argued there was no probable cause to book Diaz with sexual battery because the warrant didn't accuse him of directly touching the care providers. She said he has no criminal history and is not a flight risk. She added that a stay-away order should be satisfied Cantrell's concerns that Diaz might be a further threat to his accusers. Uh, that $1.5 million is obviously a bond that Mr. Diaz can't afford to pay, which means that he will stay in jail indefinitely, she said. Sexual battery and human trafficking can each carry up to 10 years in prison per count. Of course, his defense attorney would say that, like, it's not sexual battery because he didn't touch the the women. It's a, no, no, like, I you, mean, you're, li- well, that's their job to, like, split hairs. I, yeah, I just, but I, it's just the fact that, like, you, you, you fabricated this whole thing to get, you know, women to, like, change your diapers, uh, like, to me, that's clear-cut sexual battery. They, they're they not consenting to do this under, uh, with having full knowledge of, like, what the oh deal is. Like, they don't know 100% that, like, you're not a special needs person, so they can't consent to do any of this stuff. Because they don't have 100% knowledge of, like, what really is occurring here. I just love that You're she, taking advantage of people, like... I just really love that she figured it out via Facebook stalking. I just love that. Well, he would have got away with it if he didn't try to use a completely different cash app. Because oh. he kept paying her, like, Apple Pay or whatever, and he tried to use Venmo. Like, dude, like, stick with the same payment plan you've been using. What are I you just, doing? I, I, this, this came out of left field. I did not anticipate this being something you were going to tell me tonight. Yeah, well, after all the murder and mayhem and stuff, I figured that, like, dude acting, like, mentally disabled and wearing a diaper would be a little bit I more mean, on the lighter <clears throat> side, even though it's kind of horrific, the fact that, it like... It is. Well, like, I just can't... I don't know. I can't imagine, like, how did you stay in character? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like at some point, how would you not screw up? Maybe he watched a lot of uh, DiCaprio and What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Stop. What? Oh, my God. You're too much. Just like the story. Gilbert Grape. I got Gilbert. Stop it. I wish Gilbert. I could find it. I really wish I knew it. That was. is the best. It's a great movie. Yeah. That's the best portrayal. I mean, it's not a far stretch for DiCaprio because he's a little. Meh. Oh, whatever. DiCaprio is amazing. I just really. I, I just. I really. I would. I would just want to know what this dude looks like. I. I, I just. Uh, I think I had a picture of him on this. 
article. Maybe. Because, I mean, that's yeah, just here crazy. You wow. Here you go. Oh, my gosh. Well, you can see where he's picking at his face. I was going to say, you can definitely tell that he's, he's a meth addict. Because he's picking at his face. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. I, I can't believe that's the palate cleanser. I'm not sure what's cleansing about that story. Wow, that is just so incredibly disturbing. That is not a case that I have any desire to follow up on what happens to that dude. No? No. You don't want to see how this plays out? He's looking at like 10 years for every count of human trafficking or whatever. I cannot believe it's considered human trafficking. I mean, I just, I feel like with all of the work, like with all of my work and stuff like that and how we deal with you know, trafficking and things yeah. like that. Like, I just never... I mean, I guess if you're would have providing a service, especially a mobile service, under false pretenses... I mean, I know a lot of... Most women, you know, as far as... The, a lot of trafficking is because they are told they're going to be brought here or... Or not even brought here, but they're going to work... Um, you know, they're going to make money. They're going to be doing this. They're going right. to be doing that. And then they're never paid... So essentially, you know, they're, they're in slavery. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, it would have never crossed my mind that something like this could have been trafficking if, if it's a, a paid service. That's just crazy. I really want to look more into that. I would have never considered that human trafficking. Well, I mean, even paying like um, sex workers and stuff is still considered human trafficking. Uh, well, yeah, no, it even is. If they, it is. Even that's if they work point. on their own and stuff, that's <clears throat> a paid service. You're still human trafficking. Yeah, no, it, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I guess with thinking about it that way, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. I was thinking of it more from the standpoint of work, like of... Uh, yeah, of course you were. Because you look at it through the lens of what you do. So. Well, no, I mean, like, I was looking through it more the lens of the fact that they're they're doing a job like a caretaking job oh, or things yeah. like that you know like that it, it is it's an actual a job in this sense I, I wonder if because of the sexual nature of the crime if that's why it's considered human trafficking yeah probably. so like let's say probably. that let's say that like you hire a maid service or whatever to come and clean your house and stuff and then as they're cleaning your house or whatever, like, say you're, like, exposing yourself or, like, masturbating in front of them or whatever, like, that may be considered human trafficking, too, because, like it said at the article, like, you're using a service under fraudulent, like, you know, you're, you're using fraud to, to oh you know, gosh. do these services. So that might be considered, like, human trafficking, too. I feel like that would be... Like any service that you use where you're paying for a service, but you're using it for a sexual nature, which it's not, you know, based... Yeah, that's, like that that's might crazy. Be, that's really crazy you know, that this dude did that. Yeah. I mean... That's a crazy story, right? That's a crazy story. I, I don't know if I'd call it a cleanser. I feel like a cleanser... <laughs> I don't know. That's that's yeah. really that's fucked up what yeah. that is for sure. Well that guy died. So What? I'm just kidding. everybody i hope you enjoyed this episode and like i said for the next few episodes it's gonna be kind of more easy and lighthearted stuff like this because i'd much rather enjoy my holiday season than to get bogged down in a bunch of writing and research but as soon as the new year's is over and stuff we'll get back to some heavy hitting uh episodes uh do you want to let the people know where they can get a hold of you or would you much rather nobody contact you Maybe you can get, like, a adult babysitting service going on. If anybody <laughs> would like my wife to come and uh, babysit their special needs adults, you can contact her at... 
true crime truckers podcast at gmail. I mean, I'll forward the emails <laughs> off to her. <laughs> Oh, that's disturbing. That's disturbing. Don't don't ask me to do that. I'm not going to do that. Nope. Well, thank you all very much. Yep. I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. and uh, Have a great holiday season. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And a happy New Year. As always, you can contact me at truecrimetruckerpodcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group at True Crime Trucker Podcast Group. You can also join Age of Radio's Facebook group at Addicted to Podcasting. This is a group dedicated to the show hosts and fans of Age of Radio shows. You can also visit my website at www.ageofradio.org slash truecrimetruckers slash. There you can browse the bazaar where you can purchase items from our wonderful sponsors, as well as browse other shows on the Age of Radio Syndicate. Also, if you'd like to donate to the show and get yourself a podcast sticker, go to www.patreon.com slash truecrimetruckerspodcast. You can also find me on Instagram at michael.prit81. I will return in two weeks with another case to present. So until then, stay safe.